Welcome to the Angelwing LLC. This is Sachin. Uh, I am a volunteer with the Angelwing program, uh, assisting Dr. Chetna Kripalu uh, with her vision and her mission for the Angelwing program. Continuing from last time, we have been considering the glory of the human brain, the different way the brain works, and uh, many factors related to health and well being. Uh, I want to ask you today about the word psychosomatic. Uh, this is a word that is used many times that there are problems that occur in the physical body due to, due to emotional disturbance or psychological disturbance. Uh, so before we get to that question, in general, what is a disease, an illness, and a disorder? There's three words here in general. A disease, what is meant by disease, illness, disorder, and then the follow-up would be, we can move into the question of psychosomatic uh, illness, what that might be. Dr. Chief. So again, disease um, is the way the word itself, you know, um, expresses itself. Disease. It means that the normal function of the body is disrupted, and it's not the way it should be. So the body is in a state of disease. That's what disease means. Of course, then it goes to all the different labels we provide, whether it's an acute condition, that means immediate condition, or whether it's a chronic condition, um, different things like that. Now, illness, again, uh, this is all from what I have learned, is um, illness means, I, I. this is what my understanding is, that it is more, uh, I would say, a little serious. Illness can be more long-lasting, um, not just like a small, like initial phase and done. So uh, it could be, um, you know, a, a longer period of time. And then disorder means, um, I, um, I really don't know what the, the what exactly the definition is, but um, I think they all fall in the same category because again, not being in a state of uh, homeostasis uh, could lead to disorder. So it's like orderliness in the body versus disorder, you know? So um, that's my understanding of that, um, the, th the three things. So um, then we can go to the next step. Right, okay. So so um, a disease, and this is just based on some reference material I'm looking at, a disease is distinct and measurable in that sense. You can measure, like you can identify exactly the concept of a disorder, just in terms of a separation, could be thought of it this way. A disorder might indicate that a specific disease is possible, but there's not enough clinical evidence for a diagnosis. That's a way to look at it. It may be clear, uh, it may be clear that there is some kind of an autoimmune disease, for example, but the, but the actual specific diagnosis is, is, is not necessarily clear. So th this kind of raises the, the general question of the healthy purely healthy body. And then there's a continuum in my mind, at least between healthy body and then, you know, very, very unhealthy body. I mean, like, like disease disorder, there's a lot of problems in the body in a general sense. Can you describe that continuum just for the physical body? Then we'll get to the mind body connection in a second. Yeah. So um, if we do not take care for, let's say, for example, if somebody is not eating right um, or exercising, the, um, amount of exercise the body goes through burns calories and burns, um, you know, for it to require, I mean, it's a supply and demand. 
Um, but then if we don't keep up with the demand versus the uh, expenditure of the, the calories, then it leads to accumulation in the body, which is hoarding, which means gaining weight. Um, you know, so gaining weight means uh, storing, you know, all these reserves in not just the liver, which is the organ everywhere else. So the, you know, as fat uh, and in the organ systems too starts happening and what, and then over long-term, the, those things become a problem because that leads to dysfunction of different organ systems and integration of working, uh, all the organ systems working together is a problem and they become more dissociated and dysfunctional. And so they become diseases which are chronic now, which means it's been there and it's hard to reverse them uh, quickly. Um, and it takes a long time or sometimes it's not even possible to reverse it. Um, so that is like the continuum which happens um, with this. And uh, of course, not to say not exercising all the muscular system, the bones, everything is starts getting weaker. And so you're not able to function, not able to walk properly. The joints don't work so people are in pain. And so that's like the a sequel of uh, you know how how it can be, and then of course life is horrible because we are so dependent on our body that if we don't look after our body and the body becomes dysfunctional, we're not we're always suffering uh, with pain or some discomfort all the time, and the focus is only going to be that and not on where your creativity can go and how you can you know actually even enjoy life otherwise uh, in doing so many different other things pursuing so many. So many other careers and um, you know paths, basically. So we all want a healthy life. Uh, everyone wants a healthy body. I think that's probably true, but it doesn't seem to happen that way. There are so many major problems and disorders and diseases. And, and as we were talking about the brain, the brain is the master organ. It has to remain healthy, and if it remains healthy, then it seems like the body would also remain healthy. Could you? Make the, could you show us what the connection is between a healthy brain, healthy body, and being disease-free from a, from a like preventive point of view? Uh, because you know to treat diseases is one thing, but we don't want them to happen to begin with. So from a health and well-being point of view, how, how are these connected together? Healthy brain, good physiology of the body, body is very healthy, and, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, taking all the right steps to prevent diseases from occurring? So everything is interconnected, obviously. So it's almost like uh, what started first is um, difficult to figure out because, you know, so the idea here is healthy brain comes from healthy thoughts. And that starts way back in your upbringing, you know, as you're a child, how your upbringing is, what your surroundings were, what your environment was like. Did you develop a, an attitude of positivity or optimism? Or did you develop um, something so negative and a pessimistic kind of a view uh, or even like an, a lot of anger, frustration over things? So these thoughts are very important. Um, it, it, sometimes it, it doesn't, may not appear because you're so young uh, immediately, but it has a consequence um, as you go along, most of the uh, diseases like anxiety, depression, bipolar, and, and etc., are all, if you really go through the extensive history and detailed history from 
the patients or the clients, they you will see that it's been there for a long time. It's not something very new. It is um, been there as a child. Um, maybe there was no specific things which happened, but it's just even the environment. What was that household like? Was it a, a, a happy household or were there parents who were very depressed and anxious all the time? So you kind of, those things matter. So most of them, if you go back, they have been having these symptoms or problems from teenage, adolescent, because that's hard enough to become adolescents going through your hormonal changes. And there is so much of peer pressure and things like that. But in addition, if you have not so good of a, um, environment at home, it plays a huge part of it. So it's hard for uh, kids or young um, young women and men to process it a certain way. So that in itself is a beginning. How the healthy you know thoughts or the different thoughts create a whether it is a healthy brain or not. And because imagine all these sap your energy, and it's not only sapping your energy, but it it cannot keep the brain healthy. And subsequently, if you see most of them who had these issues also don't have good food habits because they don't have time, they don't have the energy to spend on uh, eating right and selecting good food and all of that. So it, um, it, it's, it's a problem. And then of course, not to mention you find a job even at a young age and then you don't have time. So you go quickly to a fast food restaurant or um, which is firstly easier and it's tastier and also cheaper. So in all these respects, you end up getting hooked to it. And these are all addictions. Once you're addicted to these things, it's not no less than drugs or smoking. And um, all these things really affect your body. And hence, again, it's a cycle. So the bad, you know, foods cause a not so healthy body and then causes um, unhealthy brain. So it keeps going on like a vicious cycle. Of course, then there is no room for exercise or anything like that, like being outdoors and doing fun stuff like that because your mind, so you're in your mind, that kind of a mind, which is, really small and negative mind. So you have a lot of negative bias. And uh, that, that in itself is a problem because that's, um, we don't know at that point where to disrupt it or where to um, start to helping start uh, or helping ourselves or help the other people, um, you know, interrupt the cycle and make it okay. And start the whole process all over again. So it is really important for us to realize, so parents need to realize, firstly, they have to be healthy, then it would be easier for them to kind of transmit that or um, give that, you know, um, amazing values to uh, the children at home. Um, even the parents nowadays are so busy in their careers and everything, they don't have time to cook good food. So they tend to bring and fast food and, and order food and takeouts and everything. So it becomes a habit. Now the kids don't know any better. That's all they've seen. So it starts from there. It's, you know, so it's good to give people advice, but I think you have to deal with it simultaneously. I don't think you can start with just good food and not, not work on your mental health or your, um, you know, thought mind, uh, mind thought, whatever, however you want to put it. 
it is important for us to deal with it at the same time while you're you're because if you really look at it uh, a lot of people who start with a good intention um to eat right and everything give up at some point it's even hard for people who are doing that already occasionally right so if your thoughts are not so good you're going to stop it after a month maybe two months three months back into your old habits again and that's why we need to work on both um psychological mind as well as the um you know the foods and you know all of that so it's definitely it's it's not easy to just deal with one of them you know all of them have to be dealt simultaneously okay so i want to move the the conversation into the question about the mind brain connection and the brain body connection there's these are connected together the brain of course has three major parts the cerebellum uh the cerebrum cerebellum cerebellum and the brain stem these are like three parts and um and then there's these regions the frontal lobe parietal lobe temporal lobe occipital lobe these are all you know the structures of the brain um a healthy brain would seem to be where where all of these structures are formed very uh, they're formed properly in, in the right way um in the in the formation process of the brain what are some of the most important factors right from childhood so that the brain develops in the healthiest possible way that's a big question i know but maybe you can shed some light on that and we'll get to some other things later yeah so it depends on the mother mainly uh, how the pregnant woman or the parent takes care of themselves firstly um in my opinion the mother has to really take care of themselves so they have to do we have to do a lot of it's called prenatal counseling and not only before it's actually preconceptual um, counseling not prenatal prenatal comes after once you get pregnant we have to talk to young women who want to have families and i mean have children to first take care of themselves even that's why we need to do uh, regular physicals they need to get regular physicals where Um, not just physical exam and blood work but really talk about how important it is to take care of themselves both mentally as well as physically so that needs to happen at least uh, a year before you know they start uh, contemplating um, becoming pregnant so that you 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 set a good tone for the uh, new generation coming up you know uh, the offspring it is so important because everything matters if i have for example if i before i get pregnant i have really solid good mental habits good routines i'm really taking care of my physical health then it really matters it's called um it's it, there is something called an exposome which means that this is a um which is a new term actually so we talk about genes but genetics are different basically there are genes which come from um the dna but the replica of dna is the rna uh, which is what is used in developing uh, for example all different characteristics and personalities and things like that so the exposome is something which is environment related which is what we say about epigenetics which means that your environment what how it has molded you and this is very important because this can be transmitted or, or you know handed over generations four generations down and you could get it four generations from up so for example 
four generations above or three generations above, if the great grandmother smoked and was perfectly healthy, nothing happened to that person, that was okay because their generations above generation were healthy and they tran you know transmitted um, to the good exposome to this this generation. Now, if they don't follow it, they will not be able to do the same thing following you know generations down. So this is why it's important. So women has have to know that what they do matters a lot, and it's not dependent on what genetics are. Genetics are not modifiable for like thousands of years. It's not that, it is how the, they are modified depending on this environment we're talking about. And that is actually good because we don't have to blame our genes and don't have to be uh, a um, slave to the genes saying that, oh, my genes are bad, I can't help it. That is like a wrong um, thing to, um, you know, for people to understand. So women have to take care of themselves really um, as they, before they get pregnant, so they get into the habit, and when they get pregnant, of course, very important, but before is also important, equally important, I would say. And eat the right foods, exercise regularly, do yoga, do meditation, however they can keep their positive attitude. First of all, it helps them. And then it's important for us um, to understand that they can pass it on to the next generation, actually four generations. So this is very important to know. A lot of people don't know this. This is something which has come about recently. So uh, that would be a great thing for people to understand that it really matters of what they do going forward. All right, yes, uh, very nice. So as a baby develops, as a human being develops, there is the brain development, right? Isn't it so? But it's not, it's not just the physical development, there's a development of the mind also at the same time. Uh, how does the brain development and mind development occur? I mean, obviously it's a very complicated series of steps, but in a more generic sense, can that development occur in a way that promotes what Angel Wing is all about, about transformation, about, about really making your life as fantastic as it can be, mastering your life, can, can that development start right from childhood towards things like self-mastery? Yes, absolutely. And it should be, you know, starting at that age, definitely. Because um, again, you know, we all want to live our lives the healthiest in both mental, psychological, and, um, you know, physically. So this needs to be, in fact, the education system have to incorporate that either. I mean, also, sorry. And the way it can be done is you could have short, you know, um, like a five minute meditation before the beginning of a school um, or even teaching things like how important the mind body connection is, because that will allow the kids to be more in tune with the real self and discover the real self. So they are not so influenced and go like a seesaw and you know up and down, up and down with whatever is happening outside and, and take that seriously. Because at the age of, till the age of seven, they are in fact, till the age of three, they're really like sponges, it's like downloads. So you have to be very careful about what you tell them. So if you really allow them to be in touch with their real self and their identity and find their own identity, then we would really, be it'll be amazing how these it'll be amazing to watch how these kids can grow up to be so independent 
so self-assured uh, with high self-esteem, not really being a um, kind of like a prey to, you know, other people's opinions and all of that. Um, and they could really follow their path, what he, whatever they're here for. Um, and so that needs to happen because if they have like, a, that's why the environment is so important. If they have the environment where they kept, they keep telling them they're no good, then you can imagine that's what they believe. And it's downloaded in the subconscious. And that is the basic, um, you know, um, hardware. It becomes that where it keeps popping up. Every time they go to do something good, it tells them, oh, you're not good enough because everybody told you at home, what are you trying to do? So it's an obstacle there for them to realize that they can go forward. So I think that has to start at the age, definitely. Um, when um, as, as a child, in fact, in preschool, in um, you know, pre-kindergarten, in kindergarten, um, and then so on. Uh, but more so in the elementary school is uh, very formative up to the age of 12. Um, it's it can be done um, and you know elementary and maybe a little bit of mid, you know uh, middle school but um, that is the most crucial age when uh, it's important for the development of a child okay so the follow-up on that would be yes there is development I mean the brain is going to grow and develop in whatever way assuming the person doesn't get like you know seriously injured or something like that but there is a decision to be made by parents, by, by society in general, but parents, immediate family, about the type of psychological development for the child, you know, from language, tradition, culture, value systems, belief systems, all of these things are, are transferred into the child's mind. That's how the mind develops the sense of, you know, the, the, the ability to speak and the ability to grasp language, all of these functions are discussed in psychology, neuropsychology. How does a person raise a child with, with, that, with, with that notion of freedom from within, self-mastery? How does that, does that occur? And then how does, does that also relate to the, the best development of the brain? I hope you see the, see the question. So, yeah, but that is what uh, that's what I said before that it's important for the formative years where uh, they develop this. It's also everybody contributes to it. Your parents are contributing to this. The teachers, your relatives, everybody contribute okay. to that. Okay, right, that's true. But how do the parents, teachers, etc., choose what to imprint on that brain? If you think of it, think of it in terms of imprinting. Is there what is the role of parental as well as uh, family's uh, role in deciding what to imprint? So I, in my opinion, I think um, what I would suggest, or I mean, part of it, I think I did when uh, I was raising my children. Um, I didn't know, obviously, at the, at the very tender age, probably I myself learned all this later on. So it was more that I could apply these things in um, high school. But with even with elementary school age, um, it's important for us. That's why for us to develop, you know, where we are learning these things about self and self-mastery and everything. So we can impart that to the children. And how you do it is, yes, meditate together and find that space where you can actually go in 
um, and you know, which is away from your multiple thoughts which come rushing in. Um, and then really, because at that age, they're more in tune with their self or their intuition, you can call it, and which is their guide or the GPS, I would call it. So that would be the right way for them to um, have that access to the intuition and use it more. So for example, if, if there's a situation, they see something happen, uh, whether it's a movie or something that happened when they were out in a grocery store. Um, the first thing is the children always have how many questions to from their parents. So before answering them, ask them, what do they think about it? Because that gives them an idea about what they're thinking and where are they getting these answers from? And if some of them is based on core values, um, which everybody comes in with, we don't know that, but we do have some, uh, you know, core things which we come from. We all know what's right and wrong, and you know, at the core of uh, our being. And when when they come come up with a reasonable explanation or answer, encourage it for them to go inside and question it and um, do more of that as we go along, so that they becomes a habit and not a habit to just get answers from whether it's parents or you know whoever on the outside and not that they of course they should listen to them and you know be open um, to their advice but always you know kind of when you take it in and process it see if it resonates somewhere inside if it doesn't then they have to question it so then it becomes a habit to question these things as, um, a, as a youngster, rather than just accepting things the way they are, uh, which may not be um, something they agree with. And then they learn to do that. And um, that's how they, they're in touch with their core conscience or uh, intuition, you can call it. Okay. So before we get to the question about what is psychosomatic, I just well, there's a couple more linking questions. The brain is obviously developing. But you're also talking about the development of the human mind, development of the mind itself. Just as a brain needs to be healthy, and we have a concept of health, it shouldn't be damaged, it should be protected, it should grow, it should have the proper nutrients, right? Isn't that all true? That's true. So the same argument can be made for the development of a, quote, healthy mind, that the proper kind of good kind of input, development, language, the things that you're just talking about right now, that, that that would have to be there. But again, there isn't really one template for that. There are so many different traditions, cultures, languages, uh, mores, uh, ethics, values, you just name it. There is differentiation like we cannot imagine. But interestingly, as far as the neural uh, synaptic process, these things are concerned, the development, there is a, a lot of commonality among human beings. That's what it seems like, that there are stages of neurological development that are that are talked about. So there's a commonality in the development of the brain, physical organ, but there's not the commonality in the development of the mind. Isn't it so? Could you uh, distinguish the two and what your thoughts are about this? No, absolutely. That's why um, the mind is so important, how we develop the mind. The organic brain, we come with the same thing. As a baby, every, every individual comes in with the same um, you know, organ system and everything. That's why the, the mind is very specific for every single human being. And that's why we are so unique. 
because the mind dictates how you take your life, which where you take your life. And that allows us to give certain experiences. Um, and then the experiences, we are some total of our experiences and that cannot be duplicated in whatsoever. Uh, and that is why we are so unique. And the mind process is very individual. How, you know, how, you know, two children can grow up in the same household, but they can be poles opposite. And how is that happening? It is because of the perception, how, you know, the information, how they, how the brain or the mind processes it, what it makes of it, what kind of images are, um, you know, formed in the brain and what kind of memories associated with those images are stored and how we pull it up when we, when we, as we go along in life and what makes of it. And then of course, experiences are different for different people. Uh, or different children as they grow up and everything. So that also makes them, makes the mind again, same processes happen. So that makes, um, that allows us to develop certain value systems. I mean, core values, everybody knows what's wrong and right, but more other value systems which you come up with. And then therefore belief systems are formed and all these are unique to every individual. And so, and then the reason is, everybody's justified in their mind about what they're doing. And this is because of all these things which they have developed over time. And so it's not wrong. For example, if um, a child was born in some rural part of Africa or rural part of India or wherever, where they only saw um, you know, negative stuff, like to survive, for example, they couldn't survive if they, if they did not steal, they couldn't survive if they do, did, did not cut, cut across uh, lines or they did not, uh, you know, um, by uh, scheming methods, corruption, that all comes from there. So because one individual doesn't allow the other individual to experience, you know, um, the same thing. And so if they grow up in there, they are justified. They develop a belief system that just because the environment is like this, I have no choice. I, and I'm justified in how I... Uh, live and how I raise my kids, meaning like what I'm doing for my family, because this is how we do it. And I completely understand that system uh, versus somebody uh, in America, like modern America, who are brought up in a very good household uh, with the right principles, never to steal, never to do that, um, all of that. And they would have a different, you know, value system. And they would judge the other kid uh, saying that this person is wrong and how can he be this way or that way. But again, in both their minds, each of them has justifications of, you know, what, how they live is correct. So that is why everybody's right and wrongs become different. So it's just because of the way where they are and how they pr have processed, you know, how the mind has processed these things um, in, in, in to live their life a certain way. Okay. Um, yes, that, that's very nice. So in neurology, there is a whole series of different kinds of problems and dis disorders and diseases and, and traumas. Uh, so for example, there's something called traumatic brain injury, as an example. There's some kind of an injury to the brain, the physical organ itself. Is there such a thing as traumatic mind injury? Is there such a thing as the mind getting injured in the developmental process, see the question carefully, right? Because as the brain is developing, the physical organ is developing, it has to develop without injury. It has to develop without, I guess the medical term is assault. You know, the assault is refers to some kind of an injury externally 
placed uh, on the brain. And we can, I think we can see that we don't want the brain to be damaged. We don't want you know, some kind of injury or some, some head trauma or anything like that to happen to damage the structure and the physiology of the brain. What about the mind? In the formation of the mind, is there such a thing as damaging the formation of the mind? And then what's the connection with the brain? That's a big question, but you can go with it with, with the way you want. So. Yeah, damaging the mind, definitely. We, that's why we see so many mental disorders because of, uh, like I said, the formation, traumatic brain injury is different. You know, that is, um, you know, obviously that can lead to stuff and that is an organ organic thing. But uh, nowadays what we see is more trauma in the mind. Uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, injuring the mind is what we see. And in different phases is different things. Um, you know, as we, in, as a child, if like, like we were saying, if somebody's, some child has experienced a lot of abuse, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, physical abuse or whether it is um, sexual abuse or verbal abuse, it doesn't matter. Their formation of the mind is going to be injured for the rest of their lives. They may not live their life the fullest as another child who's not gone through any of these things. You know, so we know that adverse events, you know, there is a whole um, way of, you know, um, seeing how many adverse events a child has had for them to see what kind of a life they will have in the future. Um, and so absolutely, then even as you grow up, you know, things like people who are um, in the army and have uh, veterans who have gone through uh, traumatic situations can get let, let go of it. They have an injured mind and see it all the time. They become alcoholics, they become drug addicts, and some of them commit suicide because they cannot live with this injured mind anymore. Um, and it's happening more and more. In fact, in the last week, I've had two uh, young women um, who, um, who one of them was very successful, um, amazingly uh, confident and doing so great. Nobody ever knew about it. In, in fact, um, a psychotherapist who's supposed to help people you know, just went and, um, you know, um, um, you know, committed suicide. Why does that happen? That's a terribly injured mind for uh, a person to do that. And then another person, you know, in the news, I don't know if you saw it uh, today, it's this, um, uh, you know, um, uh, previous Miss USA, who was an attorney, successful attorney, um, young, just threw herself off from uh, building in Manhattan. I mean, nothing was wrong. I mean, nothing was wrong on the surface. You don't know what's going on in the mind. Those things have to be terribly injured mind for people to just not want to live anymore. And traumatic brain injury is probably not even as severe as traumatic mind, in fact. Um, it can, you know, people don't look at life like that. They always say, oh, this is how it is, part of it. I'm not, you know, it's not working for me. But those are grave injuries in the mind. So mind is everything, how the processing happens about things you know, how you take in and what you do with it and how you make of life in general. This is why we want to go more into who we are actually in the real self. If we discover the real self, I mean, even if you're not completely able to do it, if you're in the journey, it'll give you a perspective about how false everything is, what we make of as real and how we want to let go of these illusions in our life, which will allow us to go deeper and appreciate how beautiful life is instead of so, being in that dark space. Yeah, so that's very beautiful because uh, in conclusion, I would just ask you one more question. But before I ask you the question, I'd just like to make a reflective statement that 
Angel Wing is about this discovery of the real self, who we are beyond all of the flux of the and traumas and distortions and problems of the mind, which, which are there. They're, they are there throughout the whole human civilization. And it seems like, I, I, from what you're saying, it really seems that we as human beings have just not paid enough attention to the health of the mind, right? Okay, so, so just a final question for today and then we'll continue tomorrow. What are the key features, key behavioral patterns that need to be established to ensure right from childhood that the mind remains healthy and it remains strong, it doesn't get traumatized, it doesn't get fractured, it doesn't get damaged. In a generic sense, what kind of a model would you have in mind for that? As a child or? In, right from a... childhood. Someone's got a, someone has a newborn baby, yeah. right? And then they're raising the child for years and years and years. What, 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 is, what is the general uh, uh, pattern or general perspective you have for, for raising the child with a very healthy mind, very clear mind, very evolved mind, ultimately? A mind that eventually leads to things like self-mastery and, and, and higher consciousness and, and whatnot. So and maybe we can continue that tomorrow if you want, but maybe we can start the answer today. So it's a big question. It, it is because, again, you know, it starts with the parents. You know, the, the parents have to be in a journey of self-discovery as well, because that is the most important thing. If they are not, then how can they impart anything to their offspring or the child going along? So that is why we're saying about the preconception counseling and everything. If young women, even if let's say to start with young women um, who are going to have children, if they are um, kind of somehow weird in, into the direction of going into the path of self-discovery, that would be the best way to start. And when they do that, they will automatically be in that path of knowing who they are and that will allow them to learn to how to help when they have children to go in or continue in that same direction. And that is how it should start. I mean, ideally, because then um, that is one part. The second part is the ed our education system, because the rest of the time, you know, kids, once they leave home in there in school, how much time they spent in school. The teachers need to be in the same uh, road to self-discovery. So they can also, so the whole school system, all the teachers, the headmaster, headmistress, principal, everybody has to be um, kind of educated or uh, kind, I would say motivated to or inspired to be in the same journey because they, we all influence each other. So this whole system, that's why the social system or the, um, the best way to describe is the social system has to be um, evolving where everybody is helping the child uh, because it takes a village to raise a child. So the whole system needs to be helping our next generation so that the next generation of children are already you know, in the process so that we, so the, the, why is this important? Because once every, every child is in that direction, the whole population is going to be different. They're not going to be competing with each other. We're going to embrace the diversity which we have, you know, in different so systems of um, being in different occupations, trying to go into different careers and, you know, and um, allowing ourselves to be 
um, beautifully um, appreciating each other as humans and appreciate each, appreciating each other who, for who we are to, to build a new society which would look completely different um, than what it is right now. Okay, that is very nice. Thank you very much, Dr. Chetna Kripalu. We will continue this exploration uh, along these lines tomorrow. We'll continue along uh, the questioning about what is meant by psychosomatic uh, process and disorders and what is the mind-body connection. So many interesting things are coming up. Uh, yes. Please uh, stay tuned to Dr. Chetna on this podcast channel. There'll be audios as well as YouTube videos uh, available for us. And please visit theangelwing.com for further information. Dr. Chetna, thank you again. Thank you.